0: Exodus 4.24 and then complete the chapter so at a lodging place on the way so a camp or something the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him should I back up and just remind us of what just happened so God has just appeared to Moses and told him go to Pharaoh give him all these uh, uh, show him these miraculous signs remember what the miraculous signs were First was with a staff. Throw it on the ground and it'll become a serpent. And then it'll become a staff again. Then put your uh, uh, hand into your cloak and pull it out and it'll be all leprous, right? And put it back in, it'll be fine. And finally pour out a jug of water and it'll become blood on the ground, right? God told him to do this. He said, I'll be with you and he will let your people go. Immediately after that, at a lodging place on the way for Moses is going to Pharaoh the Lord rushes across the desert and is about to kill Moses. What is going on? Gina, would you make that expression again? Everybody look at Gina. She's like, what? That's, ex- that's exactly right. Uh, and, uh, um, and I don't know in what form. Did Moses suddenly get sick in the tent? Was there a hurricane? Uh, was there a, a, a sand storm? Or did Moses just, was it like a horror movie and Moses suddenly has blood coming out of his nose and eyes? And I don't know what's going on. But, or was it the angel of the Lord with a sword? You know, with, I'm sorry. And so what happens? His wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Moses had neglected to circumcise His own son. So Moses, this is the man who, from our on our end of things, is not only a great prophet of God, but as far as Old Testament prophets go, isn't he in a class all by himself? When you talk about great prophets, we often will say, "Oh well, Elijah, Isaiah," and we don't even think about Moses because that's just not fair. You know, that's, that. that uh, it's just, just a completely, when Jesus describes the authors of the Old Testament, it's Moses and the prophets. It's just two separate categories, and Moses has his own. And this man, who is going to lead his people out of Egypt, forgot, or neglected, I should say, to circumcise his own son in Midian. Uh, so, go ahead. Moses certainly would not have been allowed to do the things he did had he not been circumcised. And besides, his mother looked after him. Um, also, he would have been circumcised on the eighth day. He was not even set into the water until he was three months old. Oh, so, he was. so, yeah, this baby is... is a, well, in fact, we, we covered that at the time. We, how, did, how did she know he was a Hebrew? You know, the movie says, oh, it's because of the color of his cloak. Well, we don't know that. We only have one clue. He was a circumcised boy. That would make him a Hebrew. Um, so they should have known that. So yeah, Moses was. But And the command was, from Abraham's time forward, 500 years earlier, you have a baby boy, you circumcise him on the eighth day, period. So Moses has not done that. But Zipporah takes a flint knife, flint, a very, very hard, usually, usually black stone. Um, you hit it with some other stone, or better yet, some other piece of flint, and pieces will fleck off, and it is extremely sharp. Um, flint becomes a fantastic way of making weapons or making a sharp edge that will cut, especially skin and flesh. Has anyone here, besides me, seen a circumcision done? I have. Um, when one of my children, this was in, in uh, 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 Mequon, Wisconsin, um, and uh, one of our sons had been born, I forget which one, and the nurse um, was about to perform a circumcision while we were there, um, and she allowed me I told her who I was, and I, I had asked about it, and she said, would you like to watch one being done? We have a baby about you know, about to be circumcised, and I, I, I went, and, and uh, 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 they, uh, they use, uh, I was going to say contraption, apparatus would be a better word here. Um, it is uh, uh, a device that is, uh, these days probably part plastic, part uh, stainless steel, but it's a small clamp, um, uh, a newborn baby boy's penis is, is rather small, and the margin of error is extremely small. Um, so it's fitted properly. There is uh, a little bit of a backing that goes on it, and there is a small, very small blade with a, with a, with a finger handle on it. And once everything is locked in place, the doctor simply goes, Zip, like that with his finger, and the blade spins around it. It is a circumcision, a circumscribing. And the, the, then the foreskin is off. And about 10 seconds later is when the crying starts. Okay? Because uh, although they, they did, in the, in, the, in the one that I saw performed, there was no anesthetic, but there was ice. So to, to sort of help out and numb things up a little bit. And then after that, it's a matter of Vaseline um, and uh, gauze because they don't want the pieces to grow together once again. That would defeat the purpose entirely. Um, So then a mom probably has uh, care very similar to um, all of you moms to what you had to go through with regard to an umbilical cord uh, care where that thing has to be cared for for a while except it's just the opposite. Umbilical cord is cared for with uh, uh, rubbing alcohol to dry it out and so it's, it's the opposite. But anyway, that's the device that gets you. Uh, Zipporah did it, I'll just say freehand with a flint knife. That's pretty impressive that she was able to do that. A steady hand. Um, and then she took it and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time she said bridegroom of blood, referring to Circumcision. So she's not happy that she had to do it. Um, I think I asked on the handout, did I? I forget. Yeah. Did oh did she usurp Moses' authority here? She saved his life. <laughs> she saved his life. Yeah. He had failed to do something, and so she did it. Um, and that's that's not usurping his authority. That is uh, being the best kind of helper in this case. Moses should have done it, but she did it to save his life. And if the angel of the Lord had a a blade to his throat or something, or if he's bleeding out his ears, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But however, the Lord um, attacked him and so forth. So, now consider this, though, at the same time. So Moses, if I can call it his tenure, uh, the beginning of his role as the true... um, I'll call him savior of his people. They were going to, he was going to bring them out of Egypt. This begins with his complete failure as a father to keep even the most elementary command of the Lord. So he fails at this totally. But we see his wife helps him. The Lord forgives. And we have gospel here, um, even though he had failed. The Lord is serious about his commands. He is loving. He is compassionate. But Moses lets us know, you know, I blew it right away, right from the very beginning. And do God's leaders sometimes blow it? Yeah, we do. We do. Um, More often than I would like to think. Um, Shall I give you a recent example or should we just go on? Oh, now I said it. Didn't, well, uh, uh, Oh, I know. Uh, Thanksgiving, Eve and Day. The, the adult, the, the, the mixed choir uh, sang. And uh, I was, t- was kind of thrown because they sang a couple pieces. But I had them sing before and after the sermon. And uh, so what I should have done is had them sing everything before the sermon so they could go to one service. And then the next morning, like sing and then be able to, to leave, you know. But as it was, I forced them to listen to the sermon twice. You know, yes. It worked out really well for me because I took my grandson on Wednesday night, and then my daughter and her husband and his mom came Thursday, so I sat with them Thursday. So I would have stayed anyway. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> that that does not that does not jibe with some of the emails I got. Uh so let's just move on, I think that would be better. So, alright. The Lord said to Aaron, go in now, the Lord says to Aaron, Moses' brother, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. How did Aaron sneak out of Egypt without Pharaoh not being upset? Well, there's not yet a, a heavy burden. On the Egyptian on the on the Israelites as Egyptian slaves. there's a burden on them. Also Aaron is what 82 83. So if an 83 year old man hobbled out into the desert, do you think Pharaoh really cared too much? Well, he had stuff <laughs> yeah, not, not all that much. So he maybe could have trod in the mud right to make the bricks. But Aaron anyway or maybe Aaron snuck out at night, I don't know, but he met him here. This is Mount Sinai. Uh, This picture is taken from the south. So as you look at Mount Sinai on a map of say Africa or something, this would be looking at it from below, looking up uh, to the north at it. Um, You can see that actually in the shadows here. Uh, Mount Sinai does kind of face south. Um, In this case, it's still morning. Uh, because you can tell by the way the shadows are falling that the sun is a little bit in the uh south east and traveling um if you were going to climb up that thing, what route would you take on the you mean to the left yeah, yeah uh, the problem I have with that is that that works for halfway up, and then what have you got that 's i mean you know, even in tennis shoes, I'm not all that uh, uh, agile <laughs> with sandals or bare feet. I Actually, I believe that on the right side, behind is the better slope. You can't really see it. It wasn't a fair question. I just wanted to talk about it out loud. So... It's on the yeah I know you guys that one table rolls their eyes at me all the time. Um, this picture is taken from Saint Catherine's Monastery, which I may have talked about before. Um, but that is those are some of the buildings, the outbuildings of the monastery in the foreground of the picture. Um, so this is kind of out the kitchen door of the monastery, looking up at the mountain. It's that close. That's but it's a it's a it it is it is quite a large mountain. That's maybe maybe two miles away in the distance yet it's a it's a big mountain okay all right then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform (laughs) Moses does not fail to tell everything to Aaron that they're supposed to do evidently he was a little bit more eloquent than he gave himself credit for because he's able to tell Aaron everything Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And before I read verse 30, how many guys do you think that might have been? How many elders of the Israelites? Minimum. Herb? Why, why am I smiling at Herb for saying 12? Because that's, what? No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I think one from each tribe would be the minimum. Um, later we're going to hear about the 70, you know, and, and a hundred wouldn't be out unreasonable too, but I think at least 12, at least one guy from each, from each tribe or however many it was. Um, but Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. That is something that we don't always remember that Moses and Aaron did the staff on the ground becoming a snake and did the hand in the, in the, in the shirt becoming uh, leprous and also the pouring the water out and having it be blood in the ground. They did all of those things and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Now, all during chapter 5, Can we please remember those last words, those last five words of verse 31? They bowed down and worshipped. Because all through chapter 5, it's not going to seem like they still have that attitude anymore. But here they do. So Moses has told Aaron, Moses has told the elders, and next he's going to tell Pharaoh. They worshipped God. What do you think the worship might have been like? Just to wonder about that for a minute? A prayer and a song. Say it again, David. A prayer and a song. A and a song. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, as far as we know, none of the Psalms were written yet, but they had music to sing. Um, who wrote the very first of the Psalms? Moses, yeah, Psalm 90, but it's about death. And surely a man, surely 70 years or 80 if he has the strength. That's, and I believe he wrote that during the long 40-year sojourn because uh, he was seeing people dying and dying and dying. We're going to talk about how many funerals per day Moses did during the 40-year during the journey. Um, I'll, maybe I'll have calculators on each table or something. You can do the math. Um, although probably your phone has a pretty good calculator in it, does it not? Okay. All right. So, but I agree. I think uh, prayer, music, something along those lines, and then remembering maybe the gospel promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and even to Joseph, and now the Lord is remembering them. They are happy. They worship God. They are delighted with what's about to happen. Now, any questions on chapter 4? Let's move into chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. So... uh, A festival to the Lord would include probably, especially what? Say it again. Food. Food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And why was this particular, I was going to say excuse, reason uh, used? Well, we learn in Genesis that the Egyptians detested shepherds and sheep. They loved to eat sheep, but not to eat with shepherds. Because they thought they were stinky and gross and all that. And so they didn't like to be around the Israelites. And Moses says, we're going to have a big old grill out. Um, A a good old fashioned southern Canaan barbecue. And uh, and, and y'all can come, but we're going to have it. But actually, maybe we should go out in the desert and we'll have it our way. And you guys don't have to have it around you. So that's the excuse. We want to eat, have a big old party, and we want to do it away from you. So let us go. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. So this Pharaoh says he doesn't know the Lord. Well, that's a curiosity. Um, How many Israelites were there? Later, we're going to be told that they had more than 600,000 warriors. What does that say about the total number of the people? At least a if there are 600,000 men, <laughs> That's maybe a fourth. I think a fourth is correct. I think they have more than 2 million people, maybe as many as 3 million. If 3 million of your subjects are worshiping a God, all the same God, don't you think that Pharaoh would have known the name of that God? If, if let's, let's do this, uh, let's do it with New Ulm. Okay. Uh, there are, there are, uh, what's the number? Is it 13,000 people in New Ulm approximately? And according to a recent census, I think I'm going to use the 2004, no, the 2000 census. It's every 10 years, right? Yeah. The 2000 census. I think that the population was around 13,000 then also, But there were 13,500 members of the Christian churches in New Ulm. What does that tell you? That not only is almost everybody a member, but people outside of town come to New Ulm. I mean, how many members at St. Paul's live in Cortland, actually? And so forth. And uh, and in the no man's land uh, between New Ulm and Sleepy Eye, I mean, who lives there? But there are people there, and they come to and they come to St. Paul's, and uh, sorry, <laughs> looking at Ron Faith again there, and uh, and and, and uh, but, um, uh, but so besides Christian, which includes Catholic, Lutheran, etc., right? Besides Christians, what religions are represented by people in New Ulm? Jehovah's Witnesses, they even have a church, um, a kingdom hall, um, with its various windows on the edge of town. Anybody else? Well, that's Christian. We are, I'm, not, I'm not separating Christians by denomination. Lots of Christians, but also Jehovah's Witnesses. There are some Mormons in town. Not many, but a few. There are some Jewish people in town. Uh, anybody like Chinese food there is there there, there, there are two families um, in town who are probably Buddhist I'm gonna say perhaps there are also some individuals in town who are Hindu um, and and maybe some other things right various things um, I think Pharaoh would have known if, two or three million of his people were all the same religion. I think he would have known the name of their God. But it's curious that this Pharaoh says this because at the beginning of the book, just a couple chapters ago, we were told that that Pharaoh, which is a couple Pharaohs ago now, that Pharaoh did not remember Joseph. And now this Pharaoh says, I don't even know the name of your God. That I think the first Pharaoh is telling the truth. I think this Pharaoh is probably lying. He's just saying this for effect. I don't know who the Lord is. Who's the Lord? That kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that Napoleon Bonaparte would have said about a commanding, but an enemy general. Oh, who's he? Who's Bernadotte? Doesn't matter to me. Did you know that there was a Bernadotte who was a general for Napoleon? We have a Bernadotte nearby here, right? Wasn't Joanne Wolfe from Bernadotte originally? I think that's right. I think that's where she grew up. Was Bernadotte. This means nothing to any... Wasn't? Isn't that right, Herb? Nicolette. Nicolette? I thought she would say Bernadotte. Was there some connection to Bernadotte? None at all? Maybe that was her secret life. <laughs> totally kidding, Herb. I'm sorry. Yes? I can back you up. I was in the Bernadotte 4-H. So. You were in the Bernadotte 4-H. Oh, thanks for getting me out of that. I was getting really red up here. Okay, let's just move on. All righty. Maybe I'm just remembering Joanne giving me directions on how to get somewhere yeah. sometime. Turn at Bernadotte. Where? You know, that kind of a thing. Because back in the days before phones, we had to do maps. So. <laughs> then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. There's a little hint there about what's coming for Pharaoh. Plagues and a sword. Yeah. How long would a three-day journey be on foot? Three, days. three days. No, far. <laughs> That's, but if you need a drum set in here, Dave is on fire tonight. <laughs> I'm just going to go on. That's too funny to... I even correct, I'm sorry. Yeah, three days. But, verse four, and here I have a point to make, but the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. So, uh, in verse two, the king of Egypt is called? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. In verse four, the king of Egypt is called king. king of Egypt. Why is Moses jumping around with his title here? I have a possible solution. What was that? Because he can. Well, for Moses' sake? Because he can? Maybe for variety's sake? It's possible. Um, that's the usual answer, actually, is that he does it because he's able to, because he just does. Because the Egyptians did that sometimes. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In this chapter, this is the only time the phrase king of Egypt, I think, or maybe the, maybe it's twice, but it's only once or twice that it shows up. All they ask is that they can go out and worship and come back. It, you, would, you would think that Pharaoh maybe was suspicious that they, would, that they wouldn't come back again. But that's actually what I was getting at with how far away would that be. Would they be too far away for the Egyptians to come and get them? If they went out into the desert, say up in, them, in the upper Sinai desert, the, the desert of uh, Sin, the desert of, around Beersheba, they could have gotten almost all the way into, back to Canaan, actually, with three days, about, almost halfway. So the question is, did Pharaoh think that they were going to go and not come back again? And the, the text doesn't say that much. We might suspect that that was in Pharaoh's mind, like you're going to go and not come back again. But Pharaoh had one of the most powerful armies in the world, and Pharaoh owned something that the Israels didn't, and that was chariots. And he could they could, they could travel very quickly because the, Israels, the Israelites did not use horses or ride. In fact, nobody at this time rode horses. Riding horses comes much later, not until... Uh, Cyrus the Great, who is king of Anshan before he becomes king of Persia. Cyrus's people, this is in the 600s BC. Cyrus's people in what is today Afghanistan, they're the ones who actually climbed on the back of the things and began riding horses around and learned to even fight off of them. But before then, horses were only used as transportation. In other words, you hitch the horse up and then it pulls you. That's, you know, Either quickly because you're in a chariot or a buggy or slowly because it's a plow, but that's what a horse did. But Pharaoh has that technology. The Israelites did not use any horses. As far as I know, it might be that the very first horse any Israelite is ever shown using is Nehemiah. And it doesn't even say horse, it says mount. When Nehemiah comes back from the exile in the... In the, in the 400s, he rides an animal around the ruins of Jerusalem to inspect. And, but no Israelite before then. Uh, donkeys and mules, yes, but not horses. So Pharaoh has that, has that going for him, that very rapid transport. I don't think he was worried about them not coming back. He could get them again easily, at least in his mind. And certainly when they did leave, he did try to get them back with chariots, didn't he? Yeah, he just didn't expect them to take the path through the sea. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.